0: Welcome to the Birth in Pod- Podcast. This is a podcast
1: about pregnancy, birth, and early parenting.
0: Yay! G'day, how's it going? I'm Steve from the Prepare Foundation. We are a registered charity that helps first-time dads make an awesome contribution at the birth of their child. This is a podcast where we get blokes talking about their experience to share their wisdom with other men who are about to go through the life-altering change that comes with first-time fatherhood. So let's hear about the transition of parenthood from a dad's perspective.
1: Hi, Stephen. How are you? Lovely to see you today. I am Renee Adair. I'm the founder and director of the Australian Doula College, our charity arm, Doula Heart Network, and our Groundwork program. And I've been a doula and a childbirth and parenting educator now for over two decades. Remarkably, time has flown. I started out on a route uh, being an aromatherapist, Reiki practitioner, massage therapy, and I uh, had two amazing home births with an incredible midwife supported by my husband and doulas and that really sparked an interest in me to find out how families could reach out to someone who had had some experience had some training and learn more about the journey into parenthood it was really an interesting journey for myself and I felt it was hard to find something that I gelled with in terms of information. I wanted to look outside of the hospital system and find out what my options and choices were. So that sparked a whole journey into becoming a doula and an educator and starting the college back in 2007.
0: Awesome. What advice would you give a first-time father?
1: Ooh, what advice would I give a first-time father? That is a big question. It has many layers. I feel like we'd start it in pregnancy, and how each parent has their own journey. And um, the part that is a little bit different from women to the men, you know, mums and dads, is that we're we're growing the baby, so we have a really deep physical journey that is not met in the same way as dads Uh, it's hormonal which is challenging our bodies are changing like no other time in our lives and we are grappling with becoming a a mother you know for the first time or the second or third or fourth time you know how are we going to cope and i feel like dads you know have an opportunity to walk that journey with us and to walk it together And talk, talk, talk and talk. Don't stop talking about each other's feelings, fears, what it means for both of you to be coming parent. Nothing like it. It is, I think, without a doubt, one of the biggest transitions we make as humans, you know, to become a family is dynamic. It's weird. It's, uh, you know, challenging, joyful, amazing, but it's different. And we, if we haven't done it before, it requires a couple to come together. And, you know, it, it's all about education, reading, talking, seeking out, making informed decisions together and for dads to acknowledge their own journey in that.
0: What can you say about hormones and just general as in like, because I talk a fair bit about like one video is just on hormones. Mm. So I assume that they understand uh, that, but I want to hear it from from you, you know, oxytocin and adrenaline and what effect they have on people during, well, during labour, but also during pregnancy as well. This is all about pregnancy and birth and the first year. So so adrenaline and, and oxytocin, and their effect on labour.
1: Well, yeah, and and never mind the cocktail that uh, is the mix. So I I think it's really important when we're talking about hormones in in pregnancy and labour that we acknowledge that the hormones are, are changing women from the inside out. (laughs) There's a great cocktail of hormones that are helping us to grow, helping the baby to grow, laying the foundations for that little baby's brain and body and also starting to soften our bodies as we prepare for labour and birth. The two main hormones that we talk about so much is oxytocin and adrenaline and you know how oxytocin helps and adrenaline does not so the importance of how we keep mothers calm feeling loved supported and how women feel and if they feel safe supports the oxytocin how do we keep the oxytocin flowing you know How do we keep women away from feeling frightened? We don't want women to feel that fight or flight in pregnancy or in labor. So when we're arriving at a room, for example, and we've got a woman in labor, if we were supporting the oxytocin and really dumbing down that adrenaline, we'd want to set a room up so that it feels good, you know? We want to get the dads involved, you know, because as Ida Mae Gaskin says, the same energy that gets the baby in gets the baby out. So how do we create that loving space? How do we bring that energy in? And it is about holding that space, making it safe, lights down low, soft voices, kindness, encouragement, positivity, and lots of love. And that in and of itself is, you know, that breeds, you know, the oxytocin. I feel like dads to have this ability, and, and, and in fact, probably more than ability, I think it's a should. I'm going to use the should word be the guardian of that space so that the oxytocin continues to flow, you know, be that one who, if, if someone's coming into the space that, Dads are prepared to step up and be that gatekeeper, and I and that's crucial. Again, keeping mum in that oxytocin space and away from having to deal with anything else, but being in the labour.
0: How about adrenaline though? So, what what's adrenaline's effect on on labour?
1: So we know that adrenaline is. Well, we have adrenaline to keep us safe actually, so when adrenaline hits the body, when we're in a situation where we are feeling fearful, the body fills up with adrenaline so we can pretty much pack up and get away, right? And just as an animal in the forest somewhere, who's birthing, if they sense any danger, their body fills with adrenaline, they actually stop the labour and they move to safer ground. So when we have a woman who's affected by adrenaline in the labour, it slows the labour down, and in some cases it comes to a screaming halt. So adrenaline doesn't serve us in the active part of labour in any way, shape or form. It slows everything down.
0: And what advice would you give to dads? to? So we know that it's related to fear, adrenaline. So uh, what kind of strategies, I guess, you know, this is about what you tell doulas, how to reduce her fear. What do you, how do they nurture this idea that, okay, if they've got someone who's, because that's on a spectrum, right? Sure. You know, we've got people who are like, yeah, yeah, I can handle this To Oh my God, I want a cesarean elective, (laughs) you know, because the message you would give to doulas is the same message you would give to a, a supportive father. So what is that message of trying to reduce her fear and, Maybe if you can also address his fear, how can he he reduce his fear?
1: Mm. Fear, unfortunately, has become almost a normal part of the experience of pregnancy moving into labour and birth. So talking to mums about reducing their own fear and dads about how they reduce their own fear, but also how do they reduce mum's fear In the labor and we we do that as doulas uh, by expressing and talking about the fear in the first place but then also how can we create a safe place how can we create something that keeps that adrenaline away things like massage so getting dads in there getting those hands-on massage kissing touching Again, coming back to soft voices, using the bath, using the shower, creating, you know, less people in the room, the better, always. I'm really, you know, labor and birth is not a spectator sport. So making sure that parents have prepared themselves really well at the start, that they have a birth plan, a wish list or preferences so that everybody in the space or anyone who comes into the space knows exactly what this family is wanting. So they've, they've they've already set something up. And then for dads to come back to that, always come back to that if that starts to deviate, that will really help really keep the space calm, keep the oxytocin flowing. And hopefully, you'll have a baby in your arms in no time.
0: <laughs> I, I, I love that you're drawing it into as doulas. Yes. So maybe you could just, what's a doula? You know, what sure. do they do? What is their main role? What, you know, what, how can they help couples?
1: So, um, doulas have traditionally been around for centuries and are traditionally women who support families through pregnancy, childbirth, and that first you know, six to eight, ten weeks of post-birth baby's life, education, and inclusion for couples. It's all about making sure that parents know all of their options and choices so that they can make informed decisions that are right for them. Particularly for first-time parents, it can be very daunting. Most people in Australia will have their babies within a hospital system, and it's it's kind of like navigating a whole new world, learning a whole new language. So we really help break everything down. So in a bite-sized chunks, if you like, so that the experience in and itself doesn't look as huge as it can sometimes feel. I love that doulas have an opportunity to have continuity of care with our clients and that's something that is lacking in the system today so we fill that gap which is really fantastic unfortunately a lot of couples rock up to the hospital you know uh, when they're having their baby and they might not will most likely have not met their care providers who are on that shift we know from research that continuity of care with a midwife or a doula makes a huge difference to how people think and feel about their experience. I love that doulas are able to support dads and help them through their experience which is incredibly daunting. You know the the pendulum has swung so far for dads this last generation. Like never before is the expectation so high that they are this all-seeing, all-knowing support person uh, and they've never had a baby either, you know, to be there in that space and to say, hey, try this, let's do this and include dads to be the best support that they can be and to give that dude some, you know, guilt-free breaks along the way, (laughs) you know, to lean over and say, this is really normal right now. What's happening here in the space, you know, your wife's looking a little crazy. It's okay to, to offer that reassurance. It's just, you know, by having a doula, really you're, you're, you're buying reassurance and you're buying some time with someone who becomes a friend, who walks that journey with you. And I think that's what makes it so incredible.
0: Are you planning to attend the birth of your child? Well, the safest scenario is you're calm, relaxed and know how to provide physical, emotional and practical support. The worst case scenario is you have no idea and end up looking like a deer in the headlights. Be chill, bruh. Don't be a deer in the headlights, mate. Birthing Dads has a suite of groundbreaking resources designed to give you a confidence boost ahead of the big day. And the best part? It's all on demand and 100% online. Go to birthingdads.com.au and use the coupon code POD, that's P-O-D, for a 10% discount and learn how to support birth like a superstar. How can couples, you know, believe in themselves? What can they do to, I I guess this, this kind of cascades into confidence. So in these videos, I have a video that's just on backing yourself as in like what are all the, what does all the research say about about continuity of care and about yeah. being involved and about all. And so it's to give them an idea so that a, a little light bulb goes on and goes, ah, oh, okay, well, maybe I can be involved in this, this myth. This bloke's telling me it's a myth that I haven't got a role. So it's yeah. a bit about how we can kind of give them a bit more confidence. And then I do talk about how we can also give her more confidence and the components of confidence and the mothering ability and all these kind of, emotional
1: things kind of come into play. Yeah. For me, confidence for parents, 99.9% of the time, is going to come from seeking out independent childbirth and parenting education. Someone that they can sit in front of and spend some time either in a classroom setting or one-on-one and delve into not just the machinations around the last part of pregnancy and birth, but how they can dissipate some of the fear that they're carrying, how they can come together and work together as a couple to bring their baby earthside, and then how they create a soft landing place for each other with their baby when they get their baby home and how they work together with confidence. And I feel like the confidence on the parenting side, those early parenting days, honestly, truthfully come from having a really good birth experience, an experience where they never felt like things got out of their control. And and you can only really get that in the system if you've got some education and you understand what it is you want. And that brings confidence. Having an understanding about what happens to a woman's body during labour and birth brings confidence. I was just working with a couple Two weeks ago, extremely, extremely fearful young couple have no idea about what to expect. And by breaking down labour and birth into bite-sized chunks, they're actually now really excited about it Mm -hmm. and they don't have the same level of fear that they had. And Dad is really excited and feeling way more confident in himself about how he can best support his beautiful wife in labour. So it, for me, yeah, it's it's just it's a no-brainer. It's get good education, find out what your options and choices are, dissipate some of the fear, and see how you best can work together. And and that just brings the, the whole thing together and really does bring a great sense of confidence. I think
0: there's fear of birth, but there's other fears as well. What what are those? Oh,
1: sure. I feel like if we were talking about fear we'd probably start in pregnancy because I I feel like there is so much talk about and and so many things that go on in pregnancy now that 20 years ago didn't happen. So all the testing that goes on, the expectation that you will have a healthy normal baby, yet we, we do so much testing along the way that we worry parents even before they are in the birthing space. Your baby looks too big, your baby looks too small, you know, the internet's great, but women are looking at train wrecks of scenarios, breeding more fear. Let, let's let's
0: go to that because um, it's it's something that I mentioned as well, and that is the overabundance of negative birth stories and this not to tell their one wonderful, orgasmic uh, kind of stories. So, can you talk about? Yes,
1: that? Stick to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: So that whole idea that as a society we we dwell on the the negative births rather than the
1: The positives, yeah, sure. I feel like I want to talk about how, in today's society, women and their partners are so fearful of birth because there is so much negativity around it. Women who have positive birth stories feel like unable to share them because they say to me they don't want to make you know Mary, who had an unplanned cesarean, feel bad. Do you know? And and there's a danger. In that. The truth is, yeah, that most women are able and wanting, and it is achievable to have an amazing, incredible, empowering birth experience. And we need women to share these stories, these positive, wholesome, awesome stories of childbirth. I feel like it's a really important opportunity now to also share the importance of finding good, wholesome, truthful information on the internet. The internet and the media play an enormous part in creating a lot of fear, generating a lot of fear around birth, downplaying the normalcy of birth. You know, it is a normal, natural process and it's become over medicalized it's become very feared. And in a really short period of time, so when I first started working as a doula 20-something years ago, women didn't have these same fears. We didn't sit, I wasn't having the same conversations. You know, fear has become this beacon, you know, and the first time I see parents and I'm doing education with them, they talk nothing else about, but the fear, the fear of the pain, the fear of what it'll be like to go to the hospital, the fear of parenting. Parenting a newborn baby shouldn't be fearful. Parenting a newborn baby should be the most absolutely amazing time in your life. You know, there's fear around lack of sleep around trying to control a baby you can't control a baby we really need to come down a notch and remind mums and dads that pregnancy and birth is normal and it's a doable process yes it's it's okay to have some fear but let's rationalize that let's look at that and work through that and then as an early parent in those first few weeks let's look at how your baby is functioning and the normalcy of that because it's normal a baby's going to wake every couple of hours for a feed let's give you some skills to work around the baby you know rather than push routine and all of these stuff that just comes at you today about being a good parent or what a parenting looks like and bring parents back to trusting their intuition and you know really creating a space that's right for them
0: why shouldn't they fear birth birth is a scary thing
1: (laughs) Ah, well i think birth has become scary because of all the negativity i don't think that birth in on itself is a scary process we are bringing babies onto this earth and we have done that for millions of years. Women are built to give birth. You know the World Health Organization says really by rights only 12 to 15 percent of women will require a life-saving surgery of a cesarean. Why we have 35 percent Of women in this country now having a cesarean is what we should be afraid of, not birth itself. Yeah, but I actually think that is part of what people are scared
0: of. Yeah, you know, because because we've got high birth trauma rates, because we've got this. So they're they're actually the realities, also. You know, and I think that's that's where where the fear. I, think yeah. comes from I, I
1: feel like, it, you know, if we took a step back and we really started to dissect everything, you know, it really comes down to the fact that here in Australia I don't believe we have enough options to support women to have babies outside of a hospital setting. And, you know, we need more independent midwives. We need a obstetric and gynecological association that supports home birth. We need to stop medicalizing birth in a hospital and putting the clock on on women, which is a big problem, you know, giving women timeframes to birth their babies, you know, induction has never been higher in this country, Uh, medical induction. And, you know, the research that I've just finished reading on medical induction is really there's there's really no good reason for it. (laughs) Mm. So I think, again, it comes back to education. How do we educate people if you're going into the hospital to have your baby? How can you work around some of these medical interventions so that you don't end up with a caesarean, so you don't feel like you've lost control and you do have a much more empowering experience along the way? It's, it's n- nothing you and I can solve. I feel like in a way we've, we've taken a huge sidestep or gone backwards a little bit to where we were in birth in Australia 20 years ago and it concerns me that we're normalising medical intervention, it concerns me that women will say, oh, I had a natural birth. Yeah. But I had an epidural, forceps and an episiotomy. Mm. Now, now, when when society starts to tell us that that is normal and that is not normal birth, mm. then therein lies a massive conversation in and itself, and that's problematic, right, you know, because... <laughs> If we start to, well, we already do, many, many, many people think that's normal, that's normal birth, then, you know, that's why I think that the women who are having their babies at home are called freaks or, you know, Amazon women, you know, why? or the lucky ones, you're the lucky one.
0: Yeah and I think that we're going through a phase of that normalization right now and that it's not going to last forever because there's so many roll on impacts that are and I know it's it's a multifaceted it's a long term kind of issue and problem yeah. but we I, I interviewed Vijay Roach last week and oh uh,
1: he's a good guy
0: he's a good guy right and he's got he knows he knows what he's talking about uh, uh, to to a degree and he he's got some blind spots as well and sure. and no an it's so interesting that having his perspective and having, say, your perspective and, and uh, Mary Steen's pr- perspective, you know, the midwifery model versus the medical model and that whole thing is, I think, uh, the silos, you know, and you know this the silos, they don't talk to one another, but right in the middle, we've got mothers. Yes. But pretty soon, if I've got anything to do with it, we'll have dads too, right? So the yeah, right. consumer is about to double in the next 10 years.
1: Yeah, which is so exciting, you know, it's so exciting because I feel like, you know, if, if, if the woman isn't made the, the main centre in the room, you know, the person, in the, you know, that's woman-centred care is what we all really truthfully want. But as you say, you know, the left hand's not talking to the right and, you know, the midwives want this and the OBs want this and then the doulas and the couples are all sitting in the middle, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's something has to shift. And I do feel like sometimes when I'm in the room, that there is a shift coming and you're quite right. When dads can step up and feel confident and, you know, be and the couples working together, there is, it's going to shift that paradigm and hopefully birth will swing back a little more away from intervention.
0: Well, the way I see it as well is that we'll have had a spike in home births during COVID, right? And yeah. the the main thing we need to do is try and publicise that, publicise the good news around the, the, you know, oh, we had a 3% inc- or 15% increase in home births. Oh, and there was no one, no big bad things happened and we had a th-
1: Things
0: happen, yeah. <laughs> 3% uh, caesarean rate from that. And then, well, you know, so I don't know. The mainstream media not, might not be all over that, but I think it's up to us to write the articles and say.
1: Yeah, yeah, I agree. But the media doesn't want that, dolls, because it's good news. So, you know, the, the, the media wants you to be fearful.
0: <laughs> yeah, but the no, media, it's, it's good know, news about COVID. So it ticks. Oh, yes, oh, what happened with COVID? Everything was dire, and it was really shit for a long time. But actually, something good happened. Here we go. That's the way you frame it. Yeah. That's the
1: yeah. way. I <laughs> um, like it. Let's steal that. Good for you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right. So how can how can doulas or expectant dads start start with bringing baby home? As in, like you know, that's the that's the milestone, isn't it?
1: Yeah. 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 Uh, so I'd like to touch a little bit on uh, dads supporting new mums when you get your baby home, and that's probably you know an incredibly big day in the lives of both parents. It's really exciting. It's a big transition to bring your baby home, and really coming back and acknowledging that for both parents as a doula is pretty important. Um, when partners get home, you know, and life is starting as a family, I'm about all in. (laughs) So, you know, working around a 24-hour cycle, I call them, not the clock. Covering clocks up is actually a really good idea. Having very few visitors around and really solidifying those first couple of weeks as a family. Mum has to adjust to breastfeeding. So dad's Crucial job there is to support that uh, by providing mum with good food, uh, encouragement, maybe even every feed time, uh, if it's possible. You know, making sure that mum is comfortable, has a glass of water, and is feeling confident about her breastfeeding journey. And and confidence comes a lot from dads. It really does. Make no bones about it. You know, women can can give up if dads are not you know, all about sharing that experience and that load in those first few weeks. Uh, I think that dads, you know, if they can take time off, take two, three weeks off if you can, and be a part of those cycles and really get to understand your baby's language and cues together. And You know, be involved with, right, dads can't breastfeed, but lots of other gorgeous things you can do with your baby to bond as well. So I encourage dads to bath with the baby, um, which is really nice. Change the baby's nappy, burp your baby after a feed and be a part of that love bubble and that huge rush of oxytocin that comes in those first few weeks. I think I read somewhere recently, and you might correct me, Stephen, but that oxytocin is as higher is higher in dads in that first, is it 60 minutes post birth than any other time in life? Is that have I got that right?
0: Yeah, and it is for mothers as well. But
1: um yeah, of course. Just, yeah but just in terms of the dads, I was like blown away that they have you know, so much oxytocin as well, and uh, yeah, it's pretty incredible.
0: One of the, well, I guess one of the interesting things that I've come across, uh, I think, uh, is the increase in prolactin, the decrease in testosterone, but also that uh, if a dad's holding his baby for more, longer than fifteen minutes, his surge of oxytocin lasts longer. So,
1: oh, dead set.
0: Once you hand the baby away, his he he continues on his buzz, whereas a mother doesn't have quite as long a buzz after the after putting the baby. And I don't know why that is. Maybe it's just because the dads they tested hadn't had as much contact as the mum. I, I don't know, but they made that conclusion, these researchers. So
1: It's so interesting and I wonder if it has to do with, the, well, obviously it's bonding. It's a part of the bonding process, right? It would have to be because we get this more regularly, right, with the feeding so it logically, I'm just trying to think, it would make sense that, you know, a dad handling a, a baby would then require a little bit more ongoing oxytocin than perhaps we would because we've got that sort of two hourly, you know, on average feeding scenario going on.
0: Yeah, but and it's also connected to the amount of attachment the father has, how involved he is. <laughs> That is a higher peak and a lower the toss and so it's about the survival of the baby essentially so the testosterone goes down the more he yeah. is the higher the oxytocin and prolactin so it's the universe saying hey we want this baby to survive so we've yeah. got to get rid of all the negativity and
1: negativity. get that testosterone and get soft yeah, get right. any. <laughs> get soft
0: we've got oxytocin receptors on our chest apparently i did yeah, right i only just learned that the other day and
1: Wowza. <laughs> uh, maybe that's why men have nipples, right? Hey!
0: Uh, oxytoc- yeah, maybe. Mm, I didn't think of that. <laughs> uh, advocacy. Let's talk about advocacy because now, Subject. yeah, I know, and it's a really tough one because, uh, and and uh, as we've discussed before, I have, to, I have to be really careful because I want this to extend as yeah. well as possible so I'm just starting on the first rung of a ladder that is is you know eventually is going to be critical of the current medical model if it needs to be
1: yeah yeah
0: so at the moment I'm I'm at the beginning of this slow burn and so the advocacy video was very short because I didn't know what to what to
1: how to deal with it yeah
0: and I did actually ask Vijay Roach I said how engaged do you want dads to be and he had a little bit of a chuckle and and I was like you know he said yeah well we're kind of um." We we need to learn about it. He was very upfront. He said, We doctors need to be uh, be challenged and we need to be comfortable with being challenged. So he said he had a really good, really good response to that. But so, with that little introduction in mind, (laughs) that there are sensitivities around this and that dads shouldn't arc up because that arcing up can suddenly look like aggression really easily with men.
1: That's right. And quickly, I think that can escalate quickly. Mm.
0: Because the stakes are so high and because yeah, they're well, used to managing
1: Emotional buy-in, right, which, you know, I don't have as a doula. Uh, advocacy. <laughs> what a, an interesting subject. We actually talk about here at the college, we talk about advocacy just about every day. And it is a word that I, I've come to learn is fluid particularly in the birthing space and I'm very cautious as a doula about you know saying to people that I will advocate for you now in uh, how a doula works around advocacy our recommendation is that once a client has put together a birthing plan or preference or wish list is that we advocate for the plan so if someone's in that space then we always come back to that. You know, Mary wanted that. I'm pretty sure it's in that birthing plan right there. So I'm not really stating anything that's not obvious. I'm not speaking up for the client. And it is something that was written by Mary and Fred, right? So that's what we teach in terms of advocacy. Right now, we've got this really interesting time where dads are in the space. And we really encourage them to be the voice for their family and that they start to really step up and become an advocate for their baby and their partner or wife, you know, because they're going to have to do it for the rest of their lives. So let's start now. Let's get you in. Roll your sleeves up, mate, and get you talking about how you're going to do that and how you're going to do that respectfully And mindfully. And I encourage dads to come back also to the birthing plan or the wish list. And if that starts to deviate, that it's their job to ask why. How come we're going down this road? What will happen if we don't do anything? (laughs) What would it look like in an hour if we don't, you know, all of these questions so that their voice is being used and they're again, the gatekeeper, the gatekeeper to the birthing space.
0: So one of the things I'm really keen on is preparing dads and probably parents as well. I just want them to realize that, uh, cause I, the realities, we have this really beautiful set of expectations with the, with the lovely photos of, you know, cute babies that never cry. But the reality what? is, you, you know what I mean? So I, I'm trying to actually say, because I think that's the part of the problem with uh, all of our, it's a pandemic. Yeah, it's a pandemic of, uh, of postnatal depression.
1: Yeah, that's me. One in four? One in four? Well, it's, I mean, you know,
0: it's it's, it's
1: outrageous. It.
0: Yeah, so I think that's, that's because... People have this, you know, unrealistic expectation that everything is glorious and oh yeah, oh yeah, so and so said that they couldn't sleep and that blah blah, blah blah but they I can do it better than them. I'm all right. So they don't really get the realities, you know. So I have a video on expectations versus realities. Oh, so fantastic. got any comments on, on that? You can exactly postnatally uh, or yeah just the whole the whole perinatal period but also you can bring in statistics here and and anecdotes or or anything that you've witnessed trends sure.
1: Sure, sure, sure. I think one of the things that's making uh, life difficult in the transition to parenthood when you get your baby home is that I see today a lot of unrealistic expectations. And if I can refer back to some of the other points that I was making before about media, (laughs) internet, and people perhaps not sharing the reality of what it's like when you get your baby home, is impacting on the expectations Of parents. I think what plays a big part too is that in today's culture here in Australia, we don't have the village anymore. And I feel like if we did, if we had, you know, a group of of women who was coming over to the home to help you cook. You know, someone would certainly put a load of washing on. Uh, there was, you know, there was always support. Now parents are doing it alone. And, and I don't believe we were ever meant to do it alone. I feel like that has played an enormous part and shift in how parents are coping or or not also. But, you know, well, what can you do then to to help navigate you through, get the help in, ask for help, ask for support understand a little more that babies cry. It's their biggest form of communication. In fact, it's their, pretty much their only form of communication. And understand that some days are just going to be tough and you can't control your little baby, but how can I control myself in that? What can I do for myself as a new mother or a new father? to cope with that crying little being. What do we need? You know, is it we order in? Do we cook a whole lot of meals and put it in the freezer first? You know, do we get a friend to come over three or four times a week? Do we hire a postnatal doula? I don't know. But find out, like, in reality what it's like talk to someone who's had a baby and say, hey, what was it really like for you? And then find out what it is you're going to need to support you through those first few weeks of your baby's life.
0: And so in your experience when dads do it right what are they doing it, what are the what are the things you've seen and you can even bring it down to one dad So one time I saw a dad xyz uh, what have what have they done well or what are they doing well and what have what have they not done so well
1: uh, some really great dads that I've I've met and and seen and worked with over the years You know, the ones that are really happy to roll up their sleeves and get right on in there. You know, they're really happy to change the dirtiest nappy on earth. They are the ones who are sleeping when the baby sleeps during the day with mum and being able to get up during the night and support the night feeding. You know, it's not possible for everyone, but they are taking some time in those first few weeks to be totally focused, you know, on that you know, new family, be a part of the experience, not exclude themselves. They don't show any signs or talk about feeling jealous about the baby and the relationship with mum. They're supportive of breastfeeding. You know, they are finding ways to really just get in there and get to know their little one as much as mum is doing. I think if we can get dads to that point too, where they're feeling like that, it's, it's a really great thing. I, I like to talk to mums about letting go about, you know, how dad might be dressing the baby, for example. And we don't want a badgering new mother to be more worried about, you know, how dad's doing A, B and C. It Let them do A, B and C. They love the baby as much as we do. And, you know, inviting that in rather than thinking for one second that we can do it better or, you know, whatever. It's just different. And that really brings that really brings dads right on in. We don't want to push them away and alienate them. I, I feel like dads need to also the really the ones that are right on in there are really sharing their own part of the journey with mum and allowing mums to have their feelings which can sometimes be extremely irrational and make no bloody sense whatsoever (laughs) but it's so crucial to sit and listen to whatever it is she has to say and without judgment and it might be that that's a cue to step up a little more or back a little more or whatever it is. But, you know, just to give each other that movement and space. I remember this, one of the funniest stories was this fantastic dad who was just so happy to be involved. And uh, I was doing a postnatal visit and the baby had done a complete, like, blown out nappy poop. like. All, you know, yuck. And uh, he was like, oh, I'll take the baby and I'll do that and takes the baby into the bedroom and we can hear, you know, I'm hearing from there, I'm going to need a hose in here, we're going to need the gurney, you know, like just having some fun, right? And, you know, bringing the baby back out and no fuss, baby back on boob, you know, like making it fun. You know, those days, those initial days, And weeks with your baby are never repeated and you never get it back. And it breaks my heart to think that some dads miss out on that. Like it really, I really feel it. Because when we have that foundation, that solid foundation as a family, I really do believe it keeps families together. And there's a lot we can do to support families better. In those first six to eight weeks,
0: that was so beautiful. I, like you know, I feel you there.
1: Yeah, it just breaks my heart, right?
0: Oh, I know. Yeah, the family is the foundation of our of our existence. You know, it's
1: oh, really our... it's everything.
0: And yeah, it's. And it's...
1: I feel for myself. You know, like it was really evident to me. You know, my, my, you know, we got divorced. My husband just wasn't around in the postnatal period. Just wasn't around. Just. You know, with my son, he was there limit for a limited time. And my daughter, he went back to work the next day. It was he couldn't wait to get out of the house. <laughs> and so I had no support. And so I started to become resentful. And he had no relationship with the kids. So how how do you have a foundation then? Like there's no foundation. That's not there's nothing solid about that at all. You know, because then the kids just want you because they don't see the other parent and it's just creates a really yeah real a really challenging situation um so i think it, it you know if we're talking about dads who are doing some great stuff it's it's probably you know it's important to talk about the other side and what i've seen and how dads might be in that postpartum period that might not be helpful i think the biggest one that i see is the absent dad. And I understand, I do understand that in some cases it is difficult for dads to take a lot of time off in that initial postpartum period. But I feel like they miss out on so much when they they do that, when they're not there. Mums struggle because they've got no support in the home. Breastfeeding can become more challenging, Uh, can set up Resentment, you know, mum, dad's leaving all the time, you know, stuck at home in inverted commas with the baby. And dad's in those situations not ensuring that there is other support if they're not going to be there, right? I've seen dads be not supportive at all of breastfeeding and that has literally literally gotten to the point where without that support and that nurturing and that looking after, mums give up feeding their babies, breastfeeding. That can be a a really big deal for some women. And it can be a deal breaker if if their husband or partner isn't helpful or even supportive from the point where they're like, just don't bother with it. You know, you hear them saying, don't worry about that. Don't bother with it. You know, it's diabolical to me. I also see that some dads make the mistake of trying to be the all-seeing, all-knowing dude in the postnatal period and, and perhaps saying, oh, we don't need any help. I've got this. I don't know. There's a fine line there. Do you? I'm sure you do. I'm sure you're a great guy, very capable. But what's your partner needing right now? It's not all about you. So finding out the balance there is crucial. Some dads can really go very inward when they have a child. And I feel like, you know, pregnancy, labor and birth, and, you know, receiving a child brings up all of our shit. How we were raised, am I going to be a good dad? Am I going to be a good mum? Am I going to be like my own dad? Maybe your dad was absent. Maybe your dad wasn't present. And maybe you've got a lot of issues and trauma around your own childhood. And so when we receive this child into our family, our own family, it brings up a lot. And I can see some dads really affected by that, really troubled. And so they retreat, like most men do, (laughs) rather than, step forward and say this is what i'm feeling i'm frightened or i'm out of my depth right now and i have no clue about what to do or who to turn to and you know it's just once we speak something it loses its power and we can get help so i think it's important to talk to dads about you know those feelings that can come up, and rather than whoop, retreating, <laughs> how are you going to deal with those? You're going to talk to and get get the help in, get the support in, the support team that you need to, you know, be the best parents that you can be.
0: Yeah, beautiful. Uh, what, what mistakes do they make during birth?
1: Oh boy, I you know it, during labour and birth, buttons are going to be pushed. And, you know, what's really interesting about labour and birth is that, you know, innately men want to fix everything and we want to control everything, right? In childbirth, it's nothing to control, it's nothing to fix. It just is. So, yeah, I think, I think some dads can really make the grave mistake of trying to separate themselves from the birth experience even though they're in the room. I've had a dad open a computer and go ahead and try and do some work. I I did prompt him to leave the room for a little bit if he had to do some stuff. Dad's on phones is another one, you know, giving people regular updates on the the labour and birth. No good. You've got to be present. And, you know, if you're in that birthing room, it's so crucial to have the TV off. You know, some private hospitals have televisions in them I don't know how that ever happened quite frankly and some dads are more interested in the football game that's on than mum in labour even if you're stumbling around my friend not knowing what to do doing something and saying to mum you've got this I love you you're amazing is better than putting the television on or looking at your phone
0: Okay, so now uh, you've just hinted into it there, but okay, so what are they doing? What are they doing when they're they're supporting? How are they, you know, how are they keeping her supported?
1: The things that dads can do in the birthing space to be more present and to help out is as big as the ocean and the sky, and I always encourage them not to be afraid to try anything once. Uh, Women in labour are very clear at letting you know what's working and what's not working, and I recommend that they wear a Teflon suit (laughs) to a birth (laughs) so that everything just slips away, right? Don't take anything personally. The most incredible fathers that I have seen in a labor and birth have literally had me crying in the corner because of the incredible selflessness that they have brought to the space. They encourage their partner to a point where it's so moving to see. They have no fear themselves and they trust deeply in the process of labor and birth, and they trust deeply in the power of, you know, their partner who is in the labor. And it makes a significant difference to the feeling and vibration in the room and to how well, you know, that woman does in her labor. They aren't afraid to massage. They they are literally putting the board shorts on and getting in the shower sometimes for hours on end. They are taking breaks for themselves. They're looking after themselves, they're eating. So their strength, you know, is up as well. I also see those dads are really enabling their own emotion to come. And they're not afraid, you know, to sometimes cry. (laughs) during the journey or be moved themselves by the power of a woman in labour. It's really beautiful to watch, you know, a a dad brushing a woman's hair, you know, his partner's hair in labour. You know, just having a lot of gentle touch is gorgeous and there's a lot of power in that. You know, that beautiful energy that comes together is that oxytocin and it's that great wow and you can feel it in the room you can feel it and uh it's pretty good you cover the clocks there's no time and you're just in that labor dance yeah it's very special
0: oh now you made me cry
1: (laughs) yeah
0: i was getting goosebumps there because that it was just clearly like beautifully beautifully said and i think that that's a real because it touched on a couple of the points that i made but it definitely added some value there so nice one thanks let's what's the reality of birth that men don't understand so our first time dad comes into the you know he's into this in this room okay he's going to feel helpless because he he's the fixer but we already we've already (laughs) but yeah i'm kind of i'm kind of the preparation for the blood the vernix the poo the the vomit maybe the you know the reality of the the brutality of it it is hard to watch. So, so you know how it's a force of nature. What is the force
1: of? It's nature? A force of nature, and we can't control it. And there's nothing to fix, right? I think if we, if more dads really understood what their partners might look like during labour and birth, and you know, because it is the most primal thing we will do, there can be vomit, there can be some pooing, There can be shaking and shivering, you know, there can be loud sounds coming from your partner and all of those things are normal. And so how do we we get that message across to dads so that there's not the shock and surprise that some dads can experience? I think it's really important too to express to dads what it's like when you arrive at the hospital for the first time what routine checkups look like, what can be expected in terms of the hospital staff and people coming and going. And I think it's important to remind dads that pretty rarely someone is in the room with you all the time. So the response, a lot of responsibility is going to fall on their shoulders. You know, often often dads will call the college looking for a doula for the second kid because they didn't realise that, you know, the midwife is going to come and go and guess what, dude, you were it. And, you know, that in and on itself is a big surprise. And so, you know, when that most surprises come, right, we, we've talked about fear, it's going to bring that fear up. And so when we've got a dad then who doesn't trust the process, he's starting to be fearful, he's going to affect the space In that room and then ultimately affect the labour.
0: Well said. All right. So Mm -hmm. if childbirth was perfect in your mind, you know, if, if we were birthing our children into the world in a perfect scenario, what does that look like for Renee Adair?
1: Oh. In a in a perfect world, what I'd love to see childbirth look like in our culture, I would love to see more options and choices straight off the bat given to women and their partners before they're pregnant so that you know families can get educated pre-pregnancy that a bit more planning please would be incredible the power in that and the knowledge of that would make an incredible difference to how pregnancy traveled you know for that woman and potentially that dad i'd love to see better continuity of care and more independent childbirth educators for families. I would love to see a doula, if there's no continuity of care, with a midwife in every hospital birth, then there needs to be a doula in every room. I would love to see dads more included. I would love to see them feel better and more supported before, during, and after the birth of their baby. I feel like we need to have a better system in place and a softer landing place for families when they get their baby home. You know, we send parents home sometimes very quickly after birth, which I'm a big fan of, but, you know, without a village, that's a big gig on their own. And the next appointment with uh, a care provider, a medical professional, isn't for another six weeks. That is a big gap. That is an enormous gap and that is is really playing into our postnatal depression rate. Right? And, you know, now when we're talking about dads and their involvement and we're talking about dads being affected postnatally with depression and trauma, then we're not getting it right. So there's, there's a lot we can do. And, yeah, I think that bring back the village and bring back birth so that women can own that process and understand it and be better supported by their partners and husbands in it. I'd like to
0: acknowledge the Darawal people as the traditional custodians of the land upon which this podcast is recorded. And I pay my respects to Elders past, present
1: and emerging.